Hey, everybody, just wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, July 25th, 6 p.m. I will be joined by Mike Davis, Faith Nall, and Marco Ariaga for Deadpool and Wolverine. I have a pretty good feeling that this is going to be the biggest movie of the year, and... I'm looking forward to a really fun show. So we got this great lineup. We'll have some prizes. We're getting lots of great puzzle pieces. And who doesn't want to see this movie? So we will see you there again Thursday, July 25th, Maya Cinemas. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, I am so excited. We are talking about John Wick Chapter 4, and I couldn't just do this with one person. I had to make this a super episode, which by the way, second time Keanu Reeves has had a super episode dedicated to him. We did The Matrix Resurrections a couple years ago, but I've got six great guests lined up to talk about this insane, over-the-top movie that, I honestly, I don't even know what's wrong with you if you didn't like this movie, but uh, I've got Sean Malloy returning to the podcast, who actually covered John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum with me a few years back. I also have Nell Minow, I have Harris Dang, Alexander Reams, JC from Screen Fix, and M.N. Miller, and we have a bunch of of great puzzle pieces to talk about, so great conversation coming up. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together, wherever it is that you're listening right now. You can click that subscribe or follow or whatever the button is, the big glowing button, hit that, and you'll find out about all the episodes we have coming up. We're almost to episode 300, and uh, there are so many episodes on the way, so please make sure you're subscribed. And if you like what we do here on the show, drop us a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate that. You can also follow me on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where I continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And don't forget about the Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year. We'll actually be recording a new uh, bonus episode of Awesome Movie Year, I think next week, to uh, post on there. And then also from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there. So check it out, patreon.com slash Rosen if you want to support the show in that way. I do appreciate it. We recently broke into double-digit patrons, so... Thank you to all of you who are signed up already, and thank you if you're considering signing up in the future. Last thing I gotta say, uh, I'll be talking about this a lot in the next couple of weeks because it is important. Our next live show has been announced April 21st. It's a Friday. It is Evil Dead Rise. I talk about Evil Dead all the time on this podcast, so it is perfect that I'm getting a chance to do a live episode on Evil Dead Rise here in Las Vegas at Maya Cinemas, which is where we also did our last live show on Cocaine Bear. I've got joining me filmmaker Michael Keane, filmmaker Joe Black, and DJ VJ cinephile Jimmy Gonzalez. It's going to be a great show, and... You can find out where to get tickets in the show notes, and also we're going to have some contests to uh, win some tickets. It's going to be an awesome time. Hope you guys come out. And uh, with that said, 
Let's get to John Wick chapter four. All right, to talk about John Wick Chapter 4, I had to bring back Sean Malloy, who was on our 63rd episode way back when talking about Chapter 3 of the John Wick series, Parabellum. Sean, how's it going? Good, good. You said that was that was episode 63, is that right? So where are you at now? Six, I'm just curious. 63. So if we're just counting the main numbered episodes, I am like... I think this is going to be like 290 Whoa. something. Like we're almost to 300. Wow. Yeah, we're, wow. we're almost Yeah, there. It's, it's really, it's hard to believe that um, that the third one came out in May of 2019. Yeah. It's weird. It feels like it wasn't yesterday, but it, it doesn't feel like it was four years ago, right? Like, no, I mean, not at all. So. Especially when you consider that like, you know, the, the imitators have not stopped coming. No. We, we've gotten so many John Wick, but with this guy, John Wick, but with this girl, you know, like they just, they keep coming. They've come since the first one, of course, but they, they have not slowed down whatsoever. Uh, but now we've got the, the actual John Wick back. And, uh, you know, at the time of recording, um, this movie's, you know, already in the middle of a huge opening weekend and it seems like everybody's loving it. Did you love it? I did. I did love it. I mean, it was a, uh, I think my review on Letterboxd, I said, it's, it's an action movie lover's dream, you know, which, which that is the genre yeah. that I'm of course a huge fan of. I've, I think, you know, sure. it seems like a lot for a lot of the action movies you bring me on. So I do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah. mean, it's, it really is a, uh, um, you know, what's weird is the, the previous ones, I think we used the term um, love letters, how they were love letters to that particular genre. And I think this is certainly, mm. I mean, man, I, I have so many things to say about this one, but um, if there's one criticism I have, it's the fact that I think it's a bit too long. I think they probably could have mm. trimmed about 20 to 30 minutes or so. But again, I think the fact, I mean, we see this all the time in Hollywood. You know, if you look at the first John Wick movie, the first John Wick movie is relatively grounded and simplistic and realistic. And by the yeah. time they get to the third one, it's pretty much Chad Stahelski. You know, the first movie is a, uh, it's a studio movie, I think we can say. And then once we see yeah. the success of the previous ones, at this point, it's no longer a studio movie. Like Lionsgate is in the background, and they're pretty much saying to Chad Stahelski and, and his team, you know what? You guys do what you do. We'll step back. And so when you look at this film, yeah. it's almost three hours. I mean, it's a total indulgent vanity piece on behalf of Stahelski mm. because by this point, he's proven that he knows what he, he he knows what he's doing. He's making Lionsgate money. Yeah. So at this point, um, He's, he's kind of like a Tarantino in that he can be indulgent, he can be a little vain, and I think the studio is just going to say, hey, Bob's your uncle, you guys do what you want, because what you're doing works. Sure. It was evident in, in the third one, but here it's like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is their film. <laughs> It's all in at this point. And yeah, it, it is super, super indulgent. But aren't we lucky that uh, once in a while, somebody who's overindulgent actually has a vision for something exciting and fun and fresh. Yeah. And uh, this guy and Keanu Reeves together are, they really have things that they want to see on screen that haven't really been done like this before. And certainly, you know, there's, there's a long history of, uh, action cinema, you know, uh, that they're drawing from, but they're also just really pushing the envelope in all kinds of exciting ways. But with that said that, you know, comparison to other films, let's get to some puzzle pieces. Uh, what do you have for your first piece? Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, I mean, I don't want to compare this to the expendables, but I feel like 
this is this how do i say this this does better what the gimmick of expendables was trying to do mm, and by sure. that i mean if you look at if you look at the expendables movies the the gimmick behind those particular films is okay hey let's take all of these action guys okay and put them in one movie and that right there i think is a fantastic idea i've said it on my podcast a number of times but i think that is just a wonderful gimmick all these action guys occupying the same space on screen i think yeah. is wonderful um the problem i think with the expendables movies is that there really aren't any stakes in those particular movies and what <laughs> they do is they put all of those action guys for the most part on the same side okay and so as a result yeah. the 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 scales really aren't um aren't level the playing field i don't think is 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 fair i i think in in a lot yeah. of respects however there was a film that came out um a few years ago um called triple threat are you familiar with Triple Threat? Have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, so Triple Threat is absolutely amazing, and I feel like what Triple Threat did um, is it pretty much it, it pretty much stole the gimmick from Expendables, but it did it right. And so if you look at Triple Threat, okay, again, it's another gimmick movie, but on the good side, okay, the good guys. You have Tiger Chen, Tony Jaa, and Iko Uwais, who are just these amazingly okay. accomplished martial artists. And then on the bad guy side. Okay, you have Scott Atkins, who shows up in this film, um, Michael Bisman, mm. and Michael Jai White, who are also experienced martial artists. And what the film does is you have these two sides, these two factions who are going head to head. And that is what I felt like the Expendables should have done. They did it a little bit in Expendables 2, where they had Van Damme and um, Scott Atkins on the bad team, if you will. But still, the good yeah. guys, there was like 10 good guys, you know what I mean? 10 action guys. And so, and I feel like going to John Wick, especially John Wick 4, at this point in the series, John Wick really isn't even the main character anymore. I think kind of like with a comic book Mm -hmm. movie or a comic book universe, in the end, it kind of starts to become more about the villains. You have to have the villains more colorful and everything. So that way your hero has something to bounce off of. And so that's, I feel like what they're doing with this one is that not only are they bringing in more colorful characters, but Keanu Reeves and Chance Stahelski are being extremely selfless by bringing in so many other uh, other action guys, right? Marco Zarrar, Scott Atkins, um, Donnie Yen. Yeah. Okay, they're bringing them in, and they're not putting them all like the Expendables movies did. They're not putting them all on the uh, on the good side or on John Wick's side. They're making some of them maybe allies that are a little shady. Some are bad guys. You know what I mean? They're they're balancing it out, and I feel like that's what um, the Expendables movies should have done. But if you watch Triple Threat, they did it right. And so I can't help but wonder if maybe this was kind of inspired by that MO in Triple Threat or not. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, those are the kinds of people that, you know, if we're going to continue this, you know, this universe, so to speak, out with John Wick. And, you know, obviously we get into spoilers on this show all the time. So, of course, we know that John Wick may or may not be around for anything else going forward. But we know that the high table is still out there. We know that there's going to be new Continentals. That This movie is going to make a shitload of money. And so they'll probably be wanting to build things out. We know we already have a spinoff with uh, Ballerina coming soon. So all these people are the same people that are hopefully going to continue to be a part of uh, you know, any continuation of this story and the fact that, uh, you know, this series has so far treated these things with the importance on story as well as the martial arts and everything else is, you know, really exciting and, and hopefully they're able to continue, uh, 
building this thing out in that way with all these kinds of guys. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's something that I, I think I, you and I were talking before we started recording. That's one of the things that I appreciate so much about this. And it's not just me, but I think anybody who follows martial arts cinema, especially the direct-to-video, low-budget stuff like, like I do, um, mm-hmm. there's just something so just gratifying and, and almost kind of magical in a weird way in seeing these guys like Scott Atkins. I know on your show, I've mentioned Scott Atkins a number of times. Okay. But he's like one of the sure. hardest working dudes in the genre. And he's never really been given a big shot on the big screen. He's had a few like minor bit roles, but for the most part, he's kind of just existed in this um, direct to video world, if you will. And so to see guys yeah. like him, and again, Marco Zorar. Marco Zorar did another movie called Redeemer that is awesome, but no one, no one has heard of. No one really talks about because it's it's you know a, a very small, low budget movie. But to see them in this movie, where for once they are not just you know faceless thugs that get that get you know knocked out within within thirty seconds. You know yeah. what I mean? The fact that they sure. have a presence that you remember, I think, is is wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And that's funny because like, obviously John Wick and company take out like so many faceless thugs, but there's so many characters that there's also fully backstory thugs to take out too. Like there's like just the full gamut and that, that definitely raises the stakes and makes it all like feel like more of a world that you want to be invested in. It's not just this guy killing a bunch of, of nobodies, which again, to bring it back to the expendables is kind of all it, all it was there. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Do you have any other pieces you want to bring up? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the, the last one that I will say, I mean, there's so many other pieces. I mean, obviously there's the video game inspired sequence, but I imagine you probably have some other guests that you can use to expound upon that. But, um, did you ever, are you sure. familiar with, uh, John Woo's hard boiled? Oh yeah, I, I saw it back in high school, and yeah. I was actually planning on rewatching it for this, but I haven't gotten a chance. Maybe in in the middle of all these recordings, I'll get to it. Yeah. So I feel like that's exactly what I mean. Again, I, I feel like if if you and I, David, were um, gonna make a movie, okay, we would do something similar. We would, you know, kind of our, our paintbrushes would be inspired by other paintings, if you will, right? And I feel like that's exactly sure. what Stahelski yeah. is doing. Obviously, he is a fan of John Woo, and John Woo is a master director, especially of the action genre. Uh, John uh, John Woo, um, it was his films that kind of coined uh, gun fu, if you will, and they also coined the term uh, heroic bloodshed, right, right. if you will. And so you watch these this film, and it is very evident. Again, if you want to say it's indulgent or vain, fine, but you can't help but watch this film, and it's just like, man, Stahelski is a fan of hard-boiled because in hard-boiled you have yeah. action sequences that for lack of better terms are almost beautiful i mean because it's yeah. it's using violence and gunfire but it's doing it in a way where it's so choreographed and balletic and um orchestral almost in a lot of ways and sure there are so many sequences where it's very clear that um i, I would urge anyone who's listening to this just go back and go on youtube and watch the hospital sequence from hard-boiled and you can't watch right. that and not think that Stilhowski and Keanu Reeves and everybody were trying to um, maybe not copy that, but but um, use the same kind of uh, the same kind of aesthetic and vibe. 
Yeah, yeah. And also, like, wanting to make sequences that make you, like, just sit up and just be like, how the hell did they pull this off? Like, for yeah. every single sequence. And there's so many of those in this movie. And that's when you, when you watch the best of the best of those those classic martial arts films and, like, the John Woo and all that. Like, that's you're just like, man, how did they just choreograph all this stuff? It's insane. And so... And you can't help but wonder. It's one of those things. I mean, I've, I've heard various... Um, podcasters and, and uh, analysts talk about it, but it's one of those things where had this film been released, okay, at when it was initially intended, I almost kind of wonder if if the pandemic kind of helped it or actually kind of mm. worked more to its um to its advantage and the fact that they yeah. had more time to um edit things maybe a little bit tighter. Maybe they I, I don't know if they reshot anything, but um they had a year, so maybe they did add some more into it. But I honestly think the the fact that we had to wait an extra year to see this in a weird way. Again, I think they could have cut about 25 minutes out of this, but even with that being said, I think the, uh, I think, I think the pandemic actually worked to its advantage. It's possible. And by the way, uh, Chad Stahelski has said that the first cut was three hours and 45 minutes, I think, oh, wow. which well. <laughs> that's insane. Like, I can't even imagine. So I, I don't know if we'll ever see any of that footage. But uh, yeah, I think cutting is important, especially when you have this much story and this much going on. So uh, yeah, I, I think you might be right. Some of that extra time helped. But um, yeah, uh, do you have any closing thoughts on John Wick Chapter 4? Anything else you wanted to uh, get in there? Well, I mean, I, I guess we can say spoilers or whatever. Um, personally, I think it was a wonderful end to Keanu Reeves, his character. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, we haven't seen the, the, the last of this world, but I think if we saw the last of John Wick, I think that's probably a good idea, I think, at this point. I don't know how much sure. of his story there really is to tell. To be perfectly honest, there are elements um, within the second and the third one where it's kind of like, Okay, is it really? I mean, it almost felt like they're kind of stretching that character out more, hence why they're building mm -hmm. the world and they're adding more characters in. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'd be really curious to see where they take this world um, Yeah, as they, as they continue it. Like you said, there's Ballerina. I think I heard that Mel Gibson was starring in a uh, TV version of The Continental. Yes. Yeah. So, which supposedly. The Continental, supposedly, yeah. And that's one thing after I saw the very first movie. I remember in 2014 when I saw the very first movie, thinking to myself like the, the continental could be a tv show i think that's just such a yeah. such a rich idea so i'd like to see them doing spinoffs there in in those arenas but um as far as mr reeves go i think you know what let him you and i have talked about this before but at this point i think keanu reeves let's let him find another franchise okay he reinvented yeah. the action genre with speed then with matrix now with this let's let that dude find something else because obviously he has he knows people who know people, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, he has had an incredible uh, career at this stuff. So, And he yeah. clearly loves the idea of shining a light on all these other people. So uh, let yeah. him do that and then eventually make something else. So I, I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I would be fine. And of course, I'd be fine with more of it too. So, you know, who knows? But uh, yeah. yeah, Sean, tell people where they can find you and everything you're up to. Yeah, I do a... Uh... <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny. I, I feel bad admitting this, uh, but um, I think last time we were we were speaking, I of course host uh, "I Must Break This Podcast," which is the podcast that looks at the films of Dolph Lundgren. And you know, last time we were talking, um, 
uh, when we discussed Parabellum, I remember talking to you saying, you know, I think it would be wonderful if uh, guys like Dolph Lundgren and Jean-Claude Van Damme could get in on this series and everything. But after watching this one, it kind of exposed me to a harsh reality in that, you know what, as much as I love those guys from the 90s, I kind of wonder in a lot of ways, maybe they just don't have the moves that these other guys did. You know what I mean? Especially Van Damme. I think he was more, he had the look more than he did the actual moves. And I think that's kind of what sold movies. So in the end, maybe it's for the best because I just don't know if he could keep up and do (laughs) do these things. But in any case, yeah. I mean, at least he has a podcast about him. So, you know, there's, there's that. Uh, Yeah. We cover all of the, uh, all of the extensive (laughs) filmography of Mr. Dolph Lundgren. You've been gracious to join me for a few episodes. Um, We're actually going to be coming to an end here in the next year. I'm thinking, because we're, getting close to closing out his filmography, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. That I, I'd imagine there's got to be an end at some point, but there's a lot of movies. So you got a lot of episodes and people should definitely check that out. It's a, it's a fun show. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, doing this show again. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back again sometime soon. All right. Take care, man. All right. Nell Minow is joining us to talk about John Wick Chapter 4. Nell, thanks so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really enjoyed the movie. I'm looking forward to discussing it with you. Yeah, I'm doing six of these conversations in total for this episode, and that is the running theme. I mean, we all just had so much fun with this movie. It's so hard to imagine sitting there for those two hours and 45 minutes and not having a good time with this movie. It's crazy. Yeah, I uh, don't think there's ever been a falling down the stairs scene uh, ever <laughs> like that one. Yeah. I, I was actually just talking about this with with a friend. Um, to jump ahead to this falling down the stairs scene, and then we'll get into some puzzle pieces. <laughs> but uh, I saw it again, actually. I went and saw it a second time to see it in IMAX. And the, during that scene, uh, they, they lower the audio just enough that you can hear your fellow audience members laughing. And it just, yeah. it's almost like an invitation to join in and just start laughing at poor John Wick's misfortune in that moment, even though you know he's going to like get back up and get to the top again. It's just, it's such great filmmaking. It is. <laughs> it's so much fun. So, uh, yeah, we're going to, uh, this is obviously your first time on the show. Uh, so, but I'm hoping to get you back again for a full one one of these days. But let, sure. let's start getting right into the puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first piece? Well, I figured that. The filmmakers have been pretty honest about some of the obvious references, so I thought I would go a little bit in a different direction and talk about some that are less obvious. Cool. And so the first one that I want to talk about really refers to the entire John Wick series, and and it goes back to what I call kind of the Amadeus piece because there are a lot of movies that have a moment where you're talking about a character who's been very underestimated, and then mm. all of a sudden everybody realizes that this is somebody who is uh, just uh, tremendously talented. And, of course, in Amadeus you have that where this foolish young boy comes in and he plays the piano and everybody realizes he's in a different category. And one of the greatest examples of that is in the first John Wick, when everybody thinks he's just some guy with a dog, and then all of a sudden the crime boss says, wait a minute, the guy you're messing with is John Wick? (laughs) (laughs) And remember that in that film, in that scene, 
um, they they mentioned that he once killed somebody with a pencil. And I love that they came back to that in this movie yeah. and somebody gets killed with a pencil. Absolutely. So, so it's very self-referential in that way. And, and so I, I like that a lot. I think it's also easy to compare John Wick, the character, to other characters who are men of action, mostly men of action mm. and not words. There's been some publicity about the fact that uh, that uh, Keanu Reeves says just 380 words in yeah, a three-hour sure. film, and yeah. you know people have been calculating how much he got paid per word. But of course, he's not getting paid per word. No. He, he's probably getting paid per bullet or per kick or you know per moment on screen. Yeah, and worth every penny of it. <laughs> so we have, of course, legendarily Arnold Schwarzenegger in the first um, Terminator movie where he had just. 16 or 17 lines and said 58 words. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the first um, John Wick movie uh, and in the two subsequent movies, Keanu Reeves said very, very little. I thought it was interesting that the director says that that it was actually Keanu Reeves' idea to cut about 50% of his dialogue from the movie. Hmm. And I think that that's part of what makes the character so enthralling. We get a little bit of backstory on him this time. And speaking of puzzle pieces, uh, that one reminded me a little bit of movies uh, like The History of Violence. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, I think, you know, he is he is just the most recent in a long, long line of spaghetti Western heroes, American Western heroes who are men of action, not worse. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this series seems like it's always been about playing in various genres of action movies like the various subgenres and just pushing those subgenres to like the absolute limits and then breaking past that and so yeah you've get you get all that the spaghetti western you get the just over the top like hardcore action you get like all those things but i want to circle back to your amadeus piece because i really love that like that is a really interesting <laughs> one and uh just that underestimating this guy and it's so funny yeah going back to the first john wick just how like uh, there's people who don't know how he is, but we've now reached the point in the fourth one where everybody knows how he is, except for this new character that's introduced. Like they kind of don't know each other. Uh, Mr. Nobody and John Wick, they don't know each mm -hmm. other, but um, you know, speaking to the music aspect of that, I, I think the music here is like really freaking great. Like, and, and this series has always had really great music. Like even when we go back to the beginning of the series, it's mostly, you know, the techno and then into like the dubstep and the later entries and a lot of rock. I mean, there was that big Marilyn Manson song from the first one. Um, I think it was in the third, though, when we first start like really getting playful classical music. And that really continues here a lot as well in the fourth one. And so just kind of circling back to that Amadeus, I, I just think that's a, a great piece and such a great movie. And uh, just playing with that kind of music in this kind of movie just... It, it just, it, it clashes so well in such a fun, unique way. It, it really ups the ante of all these already over-the-top action sequences. Well, absolutely. It's also essential for establishing the character of the Marquis. Sure. And uh, he is this very effete, very decadent kind of guy. And the fact that we see him in these settings that are just impossibly grand and classical. Mm-hmm. And that he buys out an entire concert hall for himself. And he's always <laughs> having these delicate little 
goodies to eat. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's part of setting some setting up him as a character as well. Absolutely. And he feels like right at home with like uh Ian McShane's Winston and Lance Riddick's uh Sharon. Like all these guys are like from this world of just like pure opulence and like you know they just yeah. they love living it up we know which fork is the salad fork and which fork <laughs> is the fish fork and, yeah. and all of that so funny and my slice people the smithereens but we wouldn't think of having you know espresso in a demitasse cup sure absolutely yeah and that kind of relates to another point that i wanted to make you know the combination of very modern, very high tech. You mentioned the techno music with a kind of a um, sort of, you know, it's it's kind of a 1930s version of steampunk where you've got the operators on their roller chairs mm. with uh, pegboards. Um, and 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 that reminded me a little bit of a movie that I think has got an unfairly bad rap. I'm going to say a word in favor of Jupiter Ascending. Oh, boy. And yeah, I know. <laughs> but. This movie reminded me of one of my favorite parts of Jupiter Ascending, which is when she has to go to several different, very highly bureaucratic offices. She's also a lot like Brazil, mm -hmm. this sort of in this combination of the of of modern and and low tech, and and so I love I love the look of it. I think that's such an important part of the uh, of the John Wick appeal is the world that it creates, mm -hmm. and that brings me to. Another point that I wanted to make, which is that part of the fascination of the John Wick movies is, is that it exists next to our world. It doesn't exist in our world. Yeah. It exists in a world where you can have a big shootout in the middle of one of the most, you know, iconic locations literally in the world and not a single policeman shows up. <laughs> and, you know, there does seem to be any collateral damage of, you know, somebody reeling a baby carriage across the, across the street. Usually in an action film, that's part of the fun is that we see them interacting in our world in a way and 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 being, um, you know, trying to avoid hurting regular civilians. But this one, it you know, not only do they have their own hotels and their own currency and their own government, mm -hmm. but they seem to be living in a in a way that's that's almost like through the looking glass. Yeah. And I and I love that about these these movies. I love I love it Scott Atkins Club that everybody just keeps dancing while people are just getting yes. shot and suplexed. Yeah, and why not? <laughs> just keep dancing. Yeah. It's it's as though they're invisible in a way. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think I think that's great. It reminds me of the idea that Proust created of the demi mundane where all around us, there's this other world that we don't touch and they don't touch us and we only sort of cross over in very limited ways, but that they have a very full, very rich, very extensive and very fully thought out um, structure. Yeah. And so I like that. I like that very much. And yeah. and I think that's that is why, you know, we're you know, we see ideas about expanding that universe. You know, let's see what happens in, in, in the sort of like below decks of Star Trek. We're going to see what happens in the hotel. Yeah. We're going to see what happens um, at the table. We'll get a little backstory this time. And then the the other thing I wanted to mention is that one of the things that I really like about Hong Kong films, and of course, you've got Donnie Yen, who just all but steals this film. Sure. He's so amazing yeah. at it. But one of the things I love about Hong Kong films is that you'll have a household there's a grandmother, there's a nanny, there's a mother, there's a father. 
And then as somehow during the course of the film, you see that all of them are martial arts superstars. Oh, yeah. You know, and you have that you have that here, too, is that everybody I don't know if they, they must spend half of their days in the gym <laughs> because they have these other jobs, but they all are just, you know, fabulously talented assassins. And that reminds me. Uh, in the days of in the 1930s and 40s, when there were a lot of um, movies with people who were doing sword play, mm. one of the things that was very appealing about it is that in sword fights, the terrain is terrifically important. Oh, sure. And even in the remake of The Parrot Trap, where there was a sword fight and where they had the same trainer for the sword fight who used to work with Errol Flynn. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, the way they were way there at the camp and they're climbing up and climbing down and backing up and turning around. And and the use of the setting in these movies is very reminiscent to me of, you know, say Robin Hood, where you have mm. to really work within. You know, you can't just pull out a gun and shoot somebody. You have to work within whether you're doing martial arts or uh, or knives or, or uh, you know, you have to be very aware of the environment. Yeah. And I think that's another thing makes those stunts so fascinating absolutely i mean i'm not here to trash marvel or anything but i think that's part of the reason why everybody is like so <laughs> excited about this movie is like you're seeing people do things in real spaces it's just it's very refreshing you know? <laughs> it is yeah so i i totally agree with that um i wanted to mention let's see also the basic through line of all of the john wick movies is it makes me think about Kill Bill because mm -hmm. Kill Bill is a movie stripped down to the very bare minimum of a plot, but it's and but revenge will always power a plot. You know, you don't have to have a big complicated MacGuffin. You don't have to have a big complicated story. Uh, we don't have to know what it is that these people are seeking and why it's important and who, how the world's going to end. Whatever, all you need to know is that somebody wants revenge. Yeah, and. We are all on board with that because in our hearts, in our lizard brains, that is one of the core human emotions. And we may not be able to get it in our own lives, but we love seeing that happen. And so in Kill Bill, all you need to know is that the bride wants revenge. And that invests us automatically because it's so important. And again, this is something that Marvel and DC sometimes fail at is they don't establish the stakes. Mm, if you're yeah. going to have, I'm sorry, but if Superman's going to fight with Batman, DC, um, Batman going to lose. He's a human, <laughs> you know, and there's really no way to make that an interesting fight. I'm sorry. I don't care if he has kryptonite, whatever. It's just not going to happen. And and very often, particularly in Marvel, as they keep getting characters who are more and more and more and more powerful, Kang, whatever, you know, uh, Thanos, uh, even Captain Marvel, they're so powerful. How do we invest in the fight? Because we don't always know who's got what power. Mm -hmm. That's what makes Don Yen's character in this movie so fascinating. He's a blind assassin. That's just awesome. Yeah, it's and just great. And to see how he copes with that is fantastic. His little sound-making thing and his <laughs> the way he kisses his cane. Oh, yeah. Just, just incredible stuff. And you know what? It's funny. I was thinking about Kill Bill as well, um, of course, for all those reasons, but also you know, Stahelski and Keanu Reeves clearly want to celebrate some of their favorites. And by having people like Donnie Yen in it, you know, with Kill Bill, uh, you had Sonny Chiba and Gordon Liu and like, you know, you've got Quentin Tarantino, you know, 
knowing he's going to make a movie that's going to probably be number one at the box office and so many people are going to see it and getting a chance to bring in all of these like classic people from these movies that he loves so much uh even david carradine you know like just bringing these people Mm -hmm. in and uh giving them a stage to just do some really cool stuff absolutely and and i mean he's acknowledged his uh his homage or his debt to tarantino and certainly see it but if you're going to have a movie that is driven by stunt coordinators mm-hmm. who have sat around and been frustrated at the way that they are not been able to do everything that they know that they can do yeah. just to see them do it here. And so the last puzzle piece I want to bring in is, again, a bit of a stretch, but I think it's very apt. And I'm going to bring in Singing in the Rain right. because these stunts, these 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 are dances what they're doing. Sure. And again, you know, like uh gene kelly and fred astaire they are again using the environment in a way that is genuinely balletic and i think that's uh, a part of what makes us so fascinated by them yeah absolutely i mean the 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 choreography is just insane and uh i don't know how you felt about babylon last year but uh you know i i could picture some of these moments being in the 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 big montage at the end (laughs) just watching that and just welling up you know so, uh, yeah, yeah it, it could fit in My with at the end was good. I had some problems with the rest of it, sure. but yeah. Okay, that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought Jupiter Ascending up, by the way, because uh, somebody brought up The Matrix, somebody brought up Speed Racer. I can only hope that my sixth guest brings up Bound or something so we can uh, really wrap <laughs> things up here. But, uh, yeah, Nell, thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, tell people where they can find you and your writing. Well, they can find me at moviemom.com and they can find me at rogerebert.com where I'm a contributing editor. I've got something there every week. Awesome. Well, again, thank you. And hopefully we can get you back for a full episode one of these days. I'd love it. Thank you. All right. M.M. Miller is with us to talk about John Wick Chapter 4. How are you doing, M.M. Miller? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? I am great, and uh, this is good to talk to you guys. It's been a while. I know. It has been a while, hasn't it? It's been about 10, 15 Uh, minutes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, we got to... We got to fit these things in where we can and uh, no. 10 to 15 minutes. That's a good break. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to do this super episode. We were originally, you and I were going to uh, cover John Wick chapter four, but literally everybody wants to talk about the movie. So I, I was happy to uh, have a whole bunch of people on to talk, um, but I'm happy that you're still a part of this. So uh, how'd you like the movie? Oh my God. It is fantastic. Yeah. I, it just puts the stamp on. John Wick being the greatest action franchise in the history of film, in my opinion, I'm telling you. You know, I've honestly been thinking about this since I saw this movie the other day. I think I might be there with you. You know, it, it's it's a it's a difficult thing to say because we we've had you know there's the Mission Impossible's, the Bonds. There's so many like classic action franchises, yeah, but, but like I, I think you might be right though, especially when you talk about like batting average. Like all four of these are just freaking fantastic i think like you know the the new mission impossibles you know with mm-hmm. crews and the director like those feel cohesive but like they kept coming up with like new directors every couple years for the first couple and they all felt yeah. kind of different it didn't really they're not cohesive or the matrix i know it, it started out with you know a guy just defending his poor pooch and turning into like this graphic novel of epic proportions like pop the yeah. lid off it but everything feels like one whole cohesive story where other action franchises 
like Die Hard, the fifth one just ruined, almost ruined that <laughs> franchise. It was so bad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that did not even like even yeah. this one. You know, it's just kind of extension of the third, and it's mm-hmm. really like four big action scenes. You know, the 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 scene going across the road with the high traffic roads, like the best crossing traffic scene since Bowfinger. You know, yeah. that is just <laughs> the greatest. It's the darkest, sardinical, funniest scenes. Like people just getting hit out of nowhere, bullets flying. This this movie has everything. Wait just it's a minute. exciting. It's funny. It's oh, that scene and the staircase where he yeah. rolls back down. I was laughing hysterically. I can't rave enough about this movie and the entire series as a whole. So I, I need to circle back. Uh, is Bowfinger your yeah. first puzzle piece? It really wasn't. I just want to. I want to get that. Out. I wrote that in my review. I just had to get that out there. Okay. I was just, well, I was I'm throwing it on the list anyway. I don't care. Yeah. It's going on my list. So I just. I think of great like scenes running across roads at traffic, and this Bowfinger Eddie Murphy running across just popped in my head. And Steve Martin filming him was just popping in my head. Fantastic. So I don't think I uh, Frank Oz was a great influence. But uh, that scene popped in my head. Sure. Why not? Well, let's get to your first puzzle piece. What do you got? Uh, I think obviously the director, um, you know, stunt coordinator for dozens and dozens of movies. And one was he was for The Matrix and he was actually, I believe, Keanu Reeves' stunt double. Mm -hmm. How he got hooked up with him. And I think um, The Matrix movies are a big influence in puzzle piece. And uh, obviously, probably a lot of people come up with this one uh for for uh john wick yeah there's like so many ways you could kind of go in on the comparison between the matrix and john wick like as a full series as this particular entry in the series where where do you see like the biggest uh influence uh from the matrix to this uh definitely so in in john wick brazilian jitsu is the big fighting style where in the matrix apparently I, i had to look this up wing chun um, mm. so I think that's a big part of it. Um, also, even though the matrix is about fate and fighting, you know, fighting will and free will, you almost had that same themes in John wick in the, in the later two, three and this one for fighting a higher power, like the high table controlling his fate, either mm-hmm. he can leave the John wick universe, you know, through death, or he can keep fighting. And it's either way he's, he's fighting his own fate where he's going to end yeah. up you know, back with his wife and he can't fight what's coming to him basically, even though he sure did. Yeah. yeah. You know, not everybody is cool with the later John wick films. Like and and I know some, some people think that it's gotten bogged down with all the high table stuff and all the story. Personally, I, I love it. I, I think it's freaking great. I think I, to me personally, I see this guy who just wants out and yet everything's getting more complicated for him. And I find like so much humor in that. I think, I think that that's, that's, I think it's hilarious. And so I, that's why I, I just really uh, love the way that these John Wick movies have gotten more and more complicated. But then with the matrix, it, it's funny. Like, I feel like that is less successful in how much more complicated yes. each, each sequel guy. And like, I feel like the story, all these extra pieces of 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 the real world and the machines and all this stuff 
it just got so convoluted that I just, you know, couldn't kind of hang on. Although, uh, I've been on record, I love the fourth one, uh, Resurrections. I love how they kind of circled back and kind of recontextualized it all. So I, I'm in on the meta-ness of the fourth one. But two and three just got to be too much for me. And so I guess I see where the people who don't like uh, where John Wick went, uh, I guess I'm in that same boat for the Matrix movies. And it's definitely a fair point because, again, originally the movie's about him avenging his dog. And it mm-hmm. goes into all this stuff we never knew existed. Where the Matrix, yeah. sorry, you, you knew about the philosophy and everything behind it. And it kind of had to probably delve in too much, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, but the it's like all new and it started from a very, very low expectation built in this huge universe where the Matrix kind of started high. So I really think it was a lot to to take in with uh, the John Wick films, but I think they handled it really, really well. And basically, yeah. it's it's a graphic novel and almost like it's a video game movie as well. You start on a, a simple level and you keep going higher and higher and higher until you know you reach the ultimate end. And that's how most video games start. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we just recorded an episode on Tetris, and I talked about yeah. how we <laughs> I talked about how like we're in like a really interesting time for video game movies they've just been after it being like a curse for all these decades of bad video game movies it seems like a lot of them have been really good lately i feel like john wick chapter four is basically a video game movie but like the best possible version of one two three and four definitely felt like that to me um yeah. definitely felt that way and and they and just like john wick just like tetris they embrace i mean they embrace the the fun of it the mythology of it even John looks yeah. a very serious movie, but it was, man, it was so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they really embrace it. So, well, do you have another puzzle piece you wanted to bring up? I do. So, I really the visual style too of the Wachowskis really comes out with John Wick, especially in Speed Racer. Mm. So that candy colored world, like it's John Wick has this. This great like sense of style, this fluorescent colored neo noir martial arts western, and a lot of that comes from Wachowski's, I think, working with uh, as the stunt coordinator. And I really felt like that type of style was Speed Racer, uh, that yeah. type of just like embracing this different uh, visual style that a lot of movies, I think, have tried to replicate with John Wick since. Um, that's one influence I think uh, is mm. a big influence on uh, the John, especially John Wick Four. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it looks incredible, and it's so colorful. And I, I did a poll, actually, on my Twitter. Uh, why, why do we all love John Wick Chapter 4 so much? Is it the fighting or the lighting? And lighting won, actually. Um, you know, the fights are yeah. incredible, but this is this movie's freaking lit. Like, it seems like nobody's lighting movies anymore. And this movie is, like, well lit, and everything just looks so incredible. I'm going back to see it again in IMAX later this week. Uh, oh, I, it's idea, just... Yeah. It, it looks so good. And yeah, Speed Racer, I, I would say my my biggest regret in life is not seeing Speed Racer in IMAX. Um, I, I, I got talked out of it by all the bad reviews. I saw it in just a regular screen and uh, I'll, I'll never get that back. I liked it. It's so good. It's incredible. I love Speed Racer. Just the innovative like techniques and like how to reinvent like action scenes in in John Wick four, like that amazing. And I thought it was a crane shot, but apparently I read on Twitter, it was a drone shot. The above, um, yeah. in the building, the above shot, like him, that flamethrower gun he had, it just like <laughs> the way, uh, the director and some tire from the stunt corner reinvent themselves in these movies. 
but by but still tr staying true to the the theme is just incredible to me. And there, you could really see that in John Wick Four. Yes, absolutely. Well, any other uh, thoughts about John Wick Four you wanted to get out there before we wrap it up? Uh, I got one more movie. So okay, I think it was heavily influenced by John Woo, mm -hmm. uh, and the Gunful or Bullet Ballet style. So movies sure. like The Killer and Hard Boiled are definitely, mm -hmm. um, I think, heavy influences on on John Wick overall as a franchise, but very much so in John Wick Four. Yeah. Absolutely. And th in this movie, I, I feel like, you know, as much as it's the conclusion of this story, it's also, I think, uh, Stahelski and, and Keanu Reeves wanting to shine a light on some of these people that have influenced them, really. And, uh, you know, yeah, so just, homage, yeah. yeah it's just it, it's, it's an incredible homage to all of that stuff. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of John Woo influence here. So, uh, yeah, great, great one to include for sure. Uh, yeah, so that does it for, for this part of the conversation. Where can people find you and your work? Well, you can find me at uh, Ready, Steady, Cut, the number one website for streaming programming over there. You can also find me on Rotten Tomatoes. I have an authory page you can subscribe to. You can also read me at Hidden Remote, In Session Film, Music City Drive-In, and Film Focus Online. Really, anywhere where great film and television reviews can be found. Yes, that is the way to put it. M.N. Miller, let's get you back again sometime. What do you think? Yeah, another uh, 15, 20 minutes, right? <laughs> let's do it. All right, we've got Harris Dang back with us to talk John Wick Chapter 4. After having you a couple of months ago for Project Wolf Hunting, um, are, are you kind of the de facto crazy over-the-top action guy for me now? <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, I'll be whatever it takes. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, how did you like the movie? Did, were, did you love John Wick Chapter 4? I feel like we all did. Oh, I absolutely loved it. Like, I, I was basically begging for an invite to see this movie, and... Mm. As soon as I heard the first punch in the very opening scene, I knew I was going to love it straight away. All three oh, hours yeah. of it. <laughs> I saw it uh, twice, once in Dolby and once in IMAX, and I'm not sure which one like just shocked me more. It's just like, it's like just uh, the, the, that, that deserves like, everyone's talking about Oscars for like creating a stunt category. That mm. deserves the sound category right away. Like, yeah. like let's just. Let's just do it. Like, come on, you know? <laughs> so let's start getting into some puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first piece for uh, John Wick Chapter 4? Uh, first piece would be uh, the good and the bad and the ugly. Um, sure. The, the scope of it, of John Wick Chapter 4, especially in comparison to the other three films, is very vast now. Like, the movie breathes a lot more in terms of his narrative, and it kind of reflects... The good and the bad and the ugly in that way mm -hmm. and it also expands in terms of characters it doesn't just focus on say john wick anymore like he is a main focus but it's not like the main focus anymore so you've got like mm -hmm. multiple characters that can easily populate their own movie like because yeah. they're so developed and when you have like donnie yen and uh, shamir anderson and um bill scars guy you got many of those character actors right there like they can just pull it off so well, and I thought it reflected good, bad, and ugly so well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's continuing to grow out its own universe. I hate using that term, but I mean that's you know that is what's what's happening. But uh, it, it's also as these movies go on, from the first one being this kind of 
uh, gritty, somewhat grounded uh, revenge flick, and then like growing out each time. It seems like they're just bringing in all of these genres of like all these subgenres of action and uh, including them all in what a John Wick movie can be. And so as we start getting into some of these spinoffs that I'm sure that they're going to continue to make, I feel like we're going to get like all of the little subgenres of action movies, like, like, you know, everything from Westerns to martial arts to everything in between. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, they're, they're they're proving to be so good at all of them. And so that's, you know, <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, Chad uh, Stahelski, you know, making all of them so far. I mean, as we start getting into more of the spinoffs, like, you know, we'll see how these other directors do with the material. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they seem to be able to synthesize all those different genres into this world so well. And yeah, like you said, all these characters, they're, they're all interesting. And that, that's the thing that's, you know, this could have felt very uh, messy with bringing in so many different characters, but they're all just so well drawn and, and so fun to watch. Yeah, the, the personalities with all the characters are so vibrant. They're, so, they're just so charismatic, you know? Yeah, they can just, absolutely. It doesn't feel like the... Even though there's so many characters, it doesn't make the film feel long, man, because you just want to spend so much time with them. Mm -hmm. mm. yeah that's something i was talking about in one of the other conversations like yeah the movie's a little long maybe but like there's nothing i want to cut like i want all this time with all these people you know and they're <laughs> they're just so much fun to watch but uh what do you have for your next piece uh my next piece is the uh, hong kong crime film uh, spo by wilson yip it's also known as kill zone in america and okay. it's a crime movie, action crime movie starring donnie yen and one of the reasons why it's a influence of John Wick or, and such a renowned film for action fans is that um, in John Wick Chapter 4, there's a character played by Scott Atkins who's basically just like this slovenly nightclub owner who kind of kind of looks like something out of a, a villain out of Dick Tracy. But <laughs> yep. there's, uh, there's a costume choice that he wears that is... It's very similar to the one that um, of the villain in SBL that, that is played by Samo Hung. And mm -hmm. you can tell that um, Chad Stahelski just loves action cinema, especially Hong Kong action cinema. And you can tell that he wanted to pay homage to that. And especially how in both films that you're kind of surprised by the fact that the villain of such stature is able to move in such an agile way. <laughs> Yeah, that that even when you know that it's Scott Atkins in that type of um, uh, prosthetic, like it still kind of takes you up by surprise, and yeah, it, it almost like it kind of just reflects like the way you see Sam Hung in SPO, and I thought, I thought um, Stahelski did a pretty good reverend job there. That's awesome. Yeah, I I've never seen that film, um, but but yeah, I, I love what Scott Atkins is doing here, and it's 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 so much fun to watch, and that he's still able to move like that is is just crazy. Um, to to that outfit, my uh, puzzle piece for that would be uh, stop making sense and David Byrne's big suit that he wears while he's, uh, while he's right. dancing. So. Uh, but yeah, that that uh, that performance is definitely one and. I, I'm waiting for uh, meme reactions because I feel like that character is going to be. Um, we we could get a lot of gifts out of that for uh, <laughs> for future Twitter reactions and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, great one. Do you have any other pieces you wanted to bring up? 
Um, this one is a Zatoichi, uh, which is a, okay. a blind swordsman. Uh, it's very popular in Japan, and mm-hmm. it's like a whole franchise. There's like forty movies within the franchise there, and you can tell that Donnie Yen's character of Kane is like an homage to the Zatoichi character, and mm-hmm. not just because um he fights well as as well as being blind, but also um there's a sense of humor behind. Kane that is kind of reflective of the Zatoichi character as well, like a mm-hmm. little little goofy, little cocky, and cocky, and it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of cocky. <laughs> mm. And at one point, um, Donnie Yen like he he eats in the kitchen mm-hmm. right before he fights, like mm-hmm. in, just enjoy, enjoying and savoring the food. And uh, I thought that was perfectly reflective of Zatoichi, and I wasn't expecting that type of sense of humor from Donnie Yen before going in the film. Maybe right. because he usually plays tough guy characters or story characters, but here you can tell that he's like really digging into the new type of personality that he plays, and I thought he did a great job here. Yeah, absolutely. Is is he's so much fun to watch in this movie, and he he pretty much steals the movie. I mean, I think everybody <laughs> could agree with that. And mm. yeah, he he just seems like it seems like that kind of character is just something that he was just like really just excited to play again and and to do this kind of uh you know blind fighter kind of thing and yeah he, he just uh kills it he's so much fun to watch so yeah uh any other any other thoughts on john Wick chapter four before we wrap it up i don't really know how they gotta top this because <laughs> yeah. like it's like when i watched this movie i thought we're getting ballerina after this i thought how can we get Valerina to equal this or mm-hmm. you know go alongside this and yeah i thought john, john wick chapter four was just great and for future action films this year like mission impossible dead reckoning part one like mm. if it's as good as this and it, 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 it could be possible that it could be even better but yeah. if it's like if expectations are that high for that movie in comparison to john wick chapter four we're going to be very well fed this year in terms of action yeah. cinema, like really well fed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be an interesting year. And yeah, that I honestly like bringing up mission impossible. Like that's something I kept thinking about. Like, obviously that's like the high end of action lately. The the last decade is, is like, you know, what's Tom Cruise going to do in the next mission impossible movie. But like, we're already there. We're already mm. to that next level in March <laughs> because of this movie, John wick. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if it can match this energy and, uh, excitement level. And yeah, I mean, we might have a really exciting year ahead of us, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, mm. Harris, thanks so much for uh, joining me on this one. Tell people where they can find you and your writing. Uh, yep, you can find me on Twitter. Hopefully it's still up by then. Uh, it's under <laughs> Twitter handle uh, Fumomatic, F-I-L-M-M-O-M-A-T-I-C. And uh, you can also find me on Instagram at uh, TheFilmomatic, but mainly I'm on Twitter. So, yep, that's it. <laughs> right on. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me again, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back again for another full one one of these days. Oh, well, can't wait to join <laughs> All right, next up, we've got Alexander Reams with us to talk about John Wick Chapter 4. Alexander, thank you so much for being here. Hey, it's uh, it's really, really great to be here. Uh, we've interacted on Twitter a little bit now, and nice to finally talk face-to-face. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's always fun getting new uh, voices on this show, and uh, I I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of really good movies lately, but this is kind of uh, blown everybody away. Are, are you feeling the same way right now? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's I just do, so I, good. This floored me. I hate that yeah. expression, but that's the only that's the only thing you feel by the end of this. Yeah. I feel the same way. I, I'm like I've been on record that I still like the third one the best, just because it, it feels almost custom made for me. I, I am a big dog guy, and those dog sequences just cannot be topped in the third one. But uh, this one is just such a spectacle. Like so many insane shots and like sequences in these action scenes. And I, I've talked to to four other people already for this super episode, and every time somebody brings something up that like connects in any kind of way it just it it kind of just makes me more and more appreciate the movie for just how over the top it all is absolutely it's and i at times it doesn't even feel over the top everything feels real the physics of everything works and i think that's why the john wick franchise has continued to remain popular and within just the culture like specifically pop culture like everyone knows who john wick is yeah absolutely i mean Ke- Keanu is so damn like likable, and then uh, Stahelski just crafts just these insane sequences. So I mean, it just just putting him through these, it, it's just kind of fun to see like what's going to happen next. And I mean, who knows if you know? We know there's spinoffs, but who knows what we'll get as far as John Wick being back? But uh, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. Anything's possible when a movie makes this much money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's they they've already said there's going to be a fifth one though at some point. Yeah. It's just Stahelski wants a break. It's more for you know them to go off and make other movies for a couple of years and then come back and do another one. Yeah, um, they don't want to turn off their cash cow because right now, I mean, it's exponentially making more and more and more money. Yeah, uh, the, the, even with a nearly three-hour runtime, it's still making more money than a two-hour massive comic book tentpole movie. Yeah. Yeah, which is wild. I mean, it it may it may be a sign of the times. We will see uh, as this year continues. But uh, I don't know. I'd I'd certainly be happy if uh, <laughs> more unique films like this uh, are oh, what people yeah. show up for. So. Last year was a huge year for box office in general, and that's going to be a conversation that's going to be tied to John Wick. Is its box office because of yeah. this statement that it's making for movie theaters right now? It is a yeah. massive length film. Audiences are going to it and they're continuing to go to it. It has rave yeah. reviews. That's just going to be a conversation that's continued to because that's the culmination of March. We had Creed 3, we've had Scream 6, both mm-hmm. two really solid money makers. And now we end the month with John Wick Chapter 4, basically. Yeah. Absolutely. You could even start it a little earlier. Megan overperformed, Cocaine Bear overperformed. I mean, we're seeing these kind of outside of the box things that are just working and uh hopefully that's a sign of sign of things to come because uh it's it looking ahead to the rest of the year there's a lot of interesting stuff coming and i would love to be able to say movies are back baby over and over again you know i felt like they were last year yeah. I, I i felt <laughs> no there there were a couple there there were a couple movies like uh jackass forever mm, batman yeah. Tar and uh, the Banshees of Inisherin. Those four movies. Oh, sure. I felt like the movies were back. Hell yeah! It hit all four corners of movie making. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. This is a nuts movie. The action sequences are insane. 
There, yeah. There's no other way to describe it. Everyone's saying they're insane, and they are. There, yeah. there are scenes you cannot comprehend, like drag the Dragon's Breath sequence. Yes, absolutely. Well, that will go down as one of the most iconic action sequences. Once TikTok yeah. gets its hands on that scene, <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be able to like talk shit either. They're just going to be like, oh. "This is amazing." That's oh no, no, no. they're just going to be edits of it, just <laughs> constantly cutting it in with video game footage and stuff like that. So, oh, but uh, you know, what? with that said, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first piece? My first one is Lawrence of Arabia. All right. And connecting it uh, through the opening scene where John is riding through the desert mm-hmm. in a gunfight, the way that Stahelski frames the entrance, the establishing shot, as well as the combat between the horses is very much like David Lean's horseback cinematography in Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. It's very clean. It's very, like, you can tell what's going on in the frame. And you can see the actual actors in the frame as well doing yeah. stunts. Like it, nothing about it looks fake and it sells the sincerity of the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about with that, with that opening sequence and like, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, we think of uh, Stahelski, you know, as this, this guy who st- got his start as a, a stunt guy and you would kind of expect the, the career trajectory to go more towards just, you know, just like a straight up action movie, but this guy clearly has done his homework and he's inspired by some of the greats and he is looking to push the envelope of the form really. And to do exciting things that are, you know, indebted to some of the classics. Oh, absolutely. Uh, The second John Wick film has the most overt uh, references to Buster Keaton films. Sure. There is like, there's even a Buster Keaton movie playing on a, wall of a building in the opening scene nice i didn't even realize that that that's a great uh, i love an easter egg like that that's great oh he has those literature i mean uh chapter three was again a lot of physical performances a lot of silent films four uses uh, and this is actually can i just go ahead and drop my second puzzle piece in go for uh, it let's do it the kid by charlie chaplin okay and again yeah. with its framing and also, uh, it, it's more like the kid and city lights. Okay. Specifically, there's a scene towards the end of city lights where there's a single tear that runs down the tramp's face, mm. and it's often cited as one of like the most heartbreaking movie endings. And that is the final look that Sharon gives to uh, Winston. Like when he's accepted his reality and there's a tear that goes down his face and it just gives you that same gut wrenching feeling like this hopelessness that has entered a man who really like this man took on high table soldiers in the last movie and was blowing them away at a pretty quick pace. And he just got shot in the chest, not maybe 15 minutes into the movie. Spoiler, by the way, but look. If you care about the movie and you're listening to the podcast, you've seen the movie, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. I mean, they so, better have. <laughs> those, those are all my puzzle pieces. By okay. The way. Well, I, I mean, those are those are great. And uh, yeah, I mean, to Sharon's character, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think uh, too many of the other guests so far ha- have talked about that. And of course, the passing of Lance Reddick and that this is his you know final time portraying Sharon in this series. Uh, pretty sure he's supposed to be in Ballerina. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Um, he he did uh, film something for Ballerina before. It's a cameo. It, it mm-hmm. is a cameo, I'm assuming, but at least he's going to have a, another go out for the franchise. Like, this was his last outing as Sharon for the franchise, really, but it's nice that we're going to get to see him again. I just like, I just don't want people forgetting about that. Absolutely. Yeah. He's great here. And it's a great, like, you know, regardless of what his, his role is in ballerina, I mean, it's a great send off. And I mean, you know, it's, everything comes to a head and it has to come to an ending at this point. You know, once Sharona is gone, I mean, it, it, it really raises the stakes and sets the scene for the insane battles that we're going to get from that point forward, because everything has to just ratchet up at that point. It does, but at the same time, I feel one of the strengths of the franchise has been ramping up the action and the stakes while never making it feel like John was in any real danger. Yeah. Like I'm going to be honest, like I yeah. there there was maybe once or twice where I felt like he was in real danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not a problem for me. I don't watch John Wick for his realistic emotional portrayal of its protagonist. We go for yeah. the action. The action yes. is the story. I've heard that complaint. I've, I've heard yeah. that. That was something my buddy texted me after I saw the movie was that he did not like that. You never really felt state stakes like he could actually die during this. And I was like, OK, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't need that. He's John Wick. The funny thing is that the stakes are still there. It's just, you know, he's not going to die from any of these henchmen if not if anything it's going to come at some you know big moment or something like that is it he's going to invincibly make his way through all of the smaller battles throughout and he's going to just kill guy after guy after guy and uh and survive it all so you, you know that going in because of the kind of movies that it's uh you know playing with yes but also those stairs were pretty intimidating it, yes, they were. it almost didn't even take a person. It was just going to be a physical object that was going to take John Wick out. Yeah, the stairs scene is just so good. And it's so funny and plays so well in the theater. Just everybody cracking up as poor John Wick's rolling down the stairs. Oh, 100%. And I mean, it, that moment killed in my theater. Yeah. That was, I, that was clearly intentional, but it felt unintentional, which I think is why it sold. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just yeah. a mundane moment. Well, this dude's getting shot at. Oh, yeah, by the way, he slipped and fell down the stairs. <laughs> Poor John Wick. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think that's a good note to end it on. Uh, where can people find you and everything you're up to? You can find me on the Instagram, Twitters, and Letterboxd at AWReams. That's A-W-R-E-A-M-S. And you can check out my website, alexanderwreams.com. It's got all of my written editing work short film you want it it's on there awesome yeah i i'm looking forward to checking out your film work I, i've seen some of your uh written stuff but never your films so i'd like to check those out and uh hopefully we can get you back again on a full episode one of these days love to come back jc from scream fix is back with us to talk about john wick i'm here how's it going jc i'm here you excited he's, he's looking a little older a little creakier but geez keanu's still doing it he sure is he uh he, he could do more than i could do i'll tell you that much true yeah. this is a bit of a step up from our last episode isn't it uh it's a huge step up i will say <laughs> though that i thought john wick three parabellum is better i'm with you yeah it's think, my it's still my favorite 
Still yeah, favorite. I think John Wick 3 is, is better. Uh, 4, mm -hmm. you could easily cut 30 minutes out of this. There was a point where I'm like, is he still punching people and shooting people? I was like, <laughs> the, the Osaka part, the, the, the Osaka uh, section, like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, especially, could have been about half as long. Mm. Uh, I didn't need him to do his uh, uh, Sisyphean stair climb. I, I, I didn't need to see him do it oh. twice. Oh, um, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. Well, th that's the thing. Like, I, I do completely agree. Three is my favorite of the bunch. But same. Uh, as I kept thinking about where would I cut this movie, I really don't want any of it cut, even if it is a little too long. Like, I still loved every last extra minute that they left in there I was which by the way supposedly there was like a three plus hour cut that uh they cut this down yeah from, crazy which... three plus hour cut i can't even imagine because this one felt <laughs> like it was a little too long he, he must have just been like i guess uh, actually uh, his 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 kill count for this movie is 140 like oh in the God. in the in the three and a half long one is his kill count like 570 like i have no idea like i don't know how he could shoot and punch more people um oh, and apparently amazing. this is just like a side note side trivia john wick has apparently killed 339 people throughout really the, throughout throughout the course of the series yeah he kills 140 in this one which is the most by far wow yeah they, i mean it, it honestly seems like there was more but uh that, that's still a pretty high body count no matter how you cut it so yeah i love it that's I, jc bringing the facts today i you know appreciate it. that you know yeah it. you know it you know yeah it. Yeah, yeah well did you did you bring some puzzle pieces along with those facts of course i brought puzzle pieces that is the name of the got? game on this show mm -hmm. uh so yeah uh i actually went in looking for puzzle pieces and of course fixes because i am the host of screen fix podcast where i fix sure. movies so i do have some fixes but i was also looking for puzzle pieces too because i had a feeling you were going to call on the services so <laughs> so uh let me just i'll i'll do a funny puzzle piece first okay i'll just start out with okay that. all right my first puzzle piece during the arc de triomphe scene which is mm -hmm. probably the best scene in the entire movie Oh, is yeah. so good. The video game Frogger. <laughs> yeah, yes. My first puzzle piece is the video game Frogger because yeah. the entire time I was thinking about Frogger because these people, they're, they're chasing him. The, so the Arc de Triumph scene is, first of all, awesome. It's, he's, 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 he's using this car at first to just beat the hell out of everyone, drag everybody. He doesn't just drag one person and slam him into something. He does it like six times. And then, uh, then yeah. they're out of the cars and running around and literally just getting hit by cars. And just like in Frogger, you can see them waiting for the cars to go by to see the best point to like jump out. And mm -hmm. I was cracking up because I was like, this is some really twisted human Frogger. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's truly one of the best action sequences I've seen in forever, maybe ever. Uh, it's just so damn good. There's a moment, like, the Frogger is, is great, but, like, before everybody's getting a chance to do any of that, he is, like, spinning around a yes. group of guys by their car. That's one of those moments, and th this is something that uh, Chad Stelsky and, and this crew has been able to up the ante every movie here with these four John Wick movies, but that's just one of those moments where I'm watching and I'm like, how the hell do you shoot this? Like, this is insane. And I, I just love that so much. Lots of money. I, I did see lots of money. <laughs> lots, of money. <laughs> lots of money. I did see some of the uh, uh, behind the scenes stuff and most of the people getting hit by cars is on a, a, a green screen. But yeah. 
I'd imagine. Um, you know, but it really is an actor getting hit and flipping over. Even on a uh, green screen, it's got a dude and he's getting hit by a car and he's flipping over it. I mean, it's great. Like, just that's what makes these movies so, so good is you know that almost everything going on is is practical because they yeah. are stuntman movies made, filmed by a stuntman and like apparently employing every stuntman in Hollywood. Because yeah. <laughs> it's nothing but people falling, cracking, getting hit by things. It's 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 amazing. It's it's absolutely incredible. Absolutely wild stuff. What else do you got for puzzle pieces? Sure. Okay, I'll do a little more of a. Uh, my second puzzle piece is uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Okay. Do you know why? It's very obvious. Is this uh, a Donnie Yen based uh, puzzle piece? Yeah, here? he's blind in that too. Uh-huh. So, so my second <laughs> puzzle piece is he's a martial arts. Is he uses his martial arts in that too? He's a martial arts guy who's also blind. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so we've plucked like Donnie Yen is apparently your go-to man to do blind martial arts. Um, why not? Know, he's great at it. Uh, why not? <laughs> and you know how accurate he still was shooting a gun. He, he he's he's got to be using the the force. Like is, mm-hmm. it, it, it's basically just that character brought into John Wick. Yeah. Cause there's no yeah. way he's shooting all these people and hitting all these people, uh, without using the force. Well, we, we know that this, this series has just gotten continuously more and more ridiculous as it's gone on. So I could imagine it turning out that he has the force or something similar in a future, uh, you know, episode <laughs> of this whole thing. Like yeah, it's just going to keep getting his crazier. His is made of kyber crystals. No, he, uh, <laughs> his, uh, uh, is another thing. Uh, there's a little bit, okay. This is something I noticed in this one. I, and I did not notice it in the other ones is it, it has a little bit of that last jedi throne room feel like there's been a lot mm. of videos made about the throne room fright in last jedi and about how there are characters that are just not attacking kylo and and mm. ray when they're just standing there or they're just swinging at nothing or what mm-hmm. i noticed that more in this one i was like why is that guy just standing there why is he not shooting john wick why is he mm-hmm. waiting his turn to shoot john wick why is he like i noticed that a little bit more in this one anyway a little well i'm i'm not going to try too hard to defend something like that but i will say this movie being such a celebration of martial arts cinema i feel like yeah. that's something you get so much in those movies where it's like maybe it's almost a knowing wink to those kind of things oh yeah you know? well john wick is john woo films yeah so you got john wick yeah. john woo and john woo film he is the guy who basically invented the gun fu genre sure he started it with the film um a better tomorrow in 1986 this film really is closer to his the killer which came out in uh, n- uh 1989 it's a retired okay uh chow chow yun fat plays a retired hit hit man who of course mm-hmm. gets dragged back in but it's the whole gun fu thing it's guns used as swords really yeah so yeah. you know it's 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 absolutely uh, uh, an uh, an homage to that style because you know they're not shooting from 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 afar. There's never a sniper somewhere, you know, which mm-hmm. should be able to take him out pretty easily. Uh, <laughs> it's always guns up close, very dramatic, very uh, um, very exaggerated. And it's essentially when you watch one of one of these movies or one of John Woo's 
gun-fu movies. It's guns as swords, and that actually plays out on, on screen. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I feel like I need to go on like a, just a mini marathon of every movie that could just fit into this little subgenre because it's so much fun watching people just shoot each other from close range. It is, <laughs> and just, just be great. really like 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 dramatic about it. That's, that's the other thing about yeah. about gun gun fu. It like it it heightened the the blood that comes out with each shot. It had, uh, mm-hmm. when people use their gun, they use it in a very dramatic way. Like they, you know, it's not like a very controlled John, yeah. John Wick is much more controlled than the, the, than John Woo's films. He's, mm-hmm. he's much more, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically just a, a gun bloodbath ballet. It's outstanding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, any other closing thoughts about John Wick chapter four, you wanted to get in there? Sure. I actually have one more quick puzzle piece. Can I, can I, can I slide it in? Let's do it. Okay. The other puzzle piece is from Chad Zahelski, the, the director himself. Um, mm-hmm. The overshot scene, the, the overhead scene. Sure. Uh, you know, the first thing you think of is uh, video games. You might point to Smash TV. Um, there's a Loaded really, is my famous, example. There's really famous game <laughs> called Hotline Miami, which actually mm-hmm. came out about 10, 10 years ago, it's a, the, the top, top-down game where this kind of silent stoic type is taking down Russian mafia. But Stahelski actually said that he was influenced by one particular top-down video game. It's called Hong Kong Massacre. And right. So he absolute, he that's what he, that was his direct influence. And if I, I had never played Hong Kong Massacre, if you go look at Hong Kong Massacre, it is that scene, like, like complete with how the guns shootout fiery sparky like like gunshots like the the way the guns are used the top-down motion it it is it is hong kong uh massacre and it's it's actually really amazing to look at the gameplay footage and then look at the movie it's 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 actually astounding that they just took that game and made it live action it's 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 pretty great it's pretty amazing. And yeah, I, I saw that same uh, quote where he mentioned that and I immediately went and added it to my wish list on Steam. So I, as soon mm-hmm. as I have some free time away from the podcasting and everything, I'm downloading it and playing that game because it looks yeah. amazing. So, yeah. Out, yeah. Out, outstanding. So yeah, I mean, this uh, uh, another one that I would have you look at if you're a fan of John Wick films is look at Prachip Pinkyu's The Protector or also called Tom Young Goong starring mm-hmm. Thai legend Tony Jaa. Um, okay. It yeah. has a fight scene in a, I don't know if it's a hotel or a mall, but it's basically John Wick without guns. It's absolutely amazing. It's the best choreographed fighting that I've probably ever seen. And it is a one shot that spans the entire, going up these stairs of this entire mall, making himself all the way up to this, this, this restaurant. And it also is very John Wickish because they kill his elephants and he's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) But like, if you're looking for just more of this kind of action, if you're looking for gun foo, check out John Woo's the killer. And if you're looking for just like, well choreographed action, just like these movies are, Look for Tom Young Goong or the the Protector with Tony Jaw. You won't be disappointed at all. Beautiful. That's going on my list for sure. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, hell yeah, JC. Uh, thank you so much for doing the show. 
Thank you for having me on. You are yeah. the hardest working man in podcasting. Your show is amazing. Your hair, I always mention, it's so beautiful, glistening, soft. You. I want to curl mm -hmm. up in it and just live for a day. I, I appreciate that. Where can people find your mm -hmm. podcast, JC? My podcast is the Screen <laughs> Fix podcast. It is the show where we fix a recent film. You can find that at ScreenFix, uh, ScreenFixPod.com. Uh, also, you can find us on Instagram at uh, ScreenFixPodcast, Twitter, ScreenFixPod. And of course, we're available Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Come listen. Basically, if you, if you watch a movie and you think, oh, I think I would have done this instead of that, that's mm. what the show is all about. Come join in the, the discussion. Fix Nation. I've been trying to get that going, and it's not catching. Fix Nation. Hey, <laughs> I, I, it, re, it, it flows off the tongue. Right. I, I like exactly. it. <laughs> I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years, and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best pictures, some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984. And we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed those conversations about John Wick Chapter 4. Thank you to all my amazing guests on this episode. They're always so much fun to put together, these super episodes. They're a lot more work than a usual one, but uh, yeah, it's always great to do these. And uh, make sure to check the show notes and go follow these people. They're all amazing writers or podcasters, filmmakers, whoever it is that I've got on the show, I want you to go check these people out. So please check the show notes. And while you're there... Make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together. And while you're there, also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Check out the Produced by David Rosen Patreon I told you about at the top of the show. Hell, follow me on Letterboxd. Do that, too. All the links are in the show notes, so make sure to check them. And just thanks for being out there and listening. I do appreciate it. We had a really amazing month in March as far as listenership is concerned. And I want to just keep that going. So, yes, thank you so much. So, let's close this out with a piece of music like I always do. And I wanted to go with a good uh, action-packed piece of music to go with this action-packed movie. So I'm going to go with a track called Boiling Point from my latest album, More Content. Hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas. We are thrilled to be official sponsors of the Queer Women of Color Film Festival this year. They will premiere 44 films and five screenings at the free 20th Annual International Queer Women of Color Film Festival happening from June 14th through 16th, 2024. This year's theme, Joyful Reunion, celebrates deep human connections and transformative visions, drawing on indigenous knowledge, shared ecology and queer realities these films explore the dynamic tides of love self-fulfillment and home upholding their long-standing commitment to disability justice queer women of color media arts project ensures inclusivity with subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing audio descriptions for the blind and low vision and asl interpretations for all screenings Join us in supporting these incredible artists and enjoy a lineup of thought-provoking films, engaging panels, and vibrant community events. Whether you're a film enthusiast, an ally, or simply curious, there's something for everyone at the Queer Women of Color Film Festival. Mark your calendar for June 14th through 16th, 2024, and get ready to be moved, inspired, and entertained. For more details and to reserve your free tickets, visit qwocmap.org. That's Queer Women of Color Media Arts Project, qwocmap.org. Let's come together to celebrate diversity and storytelling at its finest.